Hey guys, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I'm Joe McCall. I just wanted to do a quick introduction to this podcast before we play the recording of the call that we did, because I was having some serious technical problems with my mic, and unfortunately, I can't go back and fix that. So right at about minute 12, I started losing audio on my mic. So it's a little annoying, but it only lasts for like maybe five or six minutes, okay? And then after that, we uh, quit the call and then we started it up again. So my apologies for that. I just wanted to let you know when you start hearing my mic go out, don't worry, it gets better. It only lasts for a few minutes and then we get it fixed. So my apologies again and uh, enjoy the show, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. We're recording live from Alex Youngblood and Joe McCall Studios in Hollywood. In two different places. I almost said Hollywood, California, but nobody would believe us. (laughs) But uh, this is kind of live. We're recording this live, but you're probably listening to this later on. And uh, I'm excited about this show, guys, because I have a good friend of mine uh, on the show, Jack and Michelle Bosch. And they live in Phoenix, and we're going to be talking to them about their new podcast called the Forever Cash Real Estate Investing Podcast. And I'm, I've, been e- I've been emailing my list about it, trying to introduce as many people as I can to get them over there to listen to it. It's a really good podcast. I've known Jack and Michelle for a couple years now, and they're just really, really cool people. I like them a lot. I mean, they're the real deal. And it's, it's one of those few people that you meet that you're just like, man, I can't believe – I am calling. They're 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 friends. Like you know, um, they they're just they're, they do really do deals. They do a lot of them. They have a very successful business, and they really give back in tremendous ways to a lot of people and are making a big difference in a lot of people's lives. So I'm glad to have them on the show. Alex, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. We are uh, really uh, ramping up here as uh, we're hitting the spring with. Uh, the deals and the new construction and all the good stuff like that going on right now. So uh, looking looking forward to um, a big uh, a big springtime. <laughs> now you are you're 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 rehabbing a lot of houses, but you're also doing no. your own. Not- no, 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 no. Um, <clears throat> new con- for some reason. Well, well, I should say we just bought uh, or in the process just bought one in the process of buying another. So that'll be uh, two different rehabs. Um, and the rest is all new construction. So there's another uh, 10 projects there that are new construction. So it's kind of been the way things have gone, just the way my team is set up. Um, and then also wholesaling along the way, too, in uh, three different markets. So Three um, different markets now. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you've always done that. But are yeah. you focusing more on that now than you have in the past? No, I, um, I, uh, I, I really, you know... It's it's kind of geeky, but I I really like the data side of things, and I like being able to pull lists using my uh, secret sauce, if you want to call it that, and seeing how it works in different markets. And once you really nail it down, and you can put it in any market, and um, you know, and see results. So that's 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 just the way. Uh, so you're you're been ex- doing it. You're experimenting. Yes. In other markets. And making money. Well, that's a great way to do it. Now, are you <laughs> sending those leads to other wholesalers there that you 
that you know or you do? Yeah, well, that's the way I've always done it. I, I have another wholesaler in the area, and they're on the ground, and they know the area well, and um, and they appreciate somebody that can make uh, can make it uh, work by you know by putting the marketing in place and having all the infrastructure. And the CRM and the VAs and all that good stuff um, to where they just get leads on a silver platter ready to go. So that's that's the way I've done it. Even even before you came out with your big fancy dancy course, I was uh, I was doing this. I, bar- <laughs> I I got all of my ideas from you. Oh, you see that now? Yeah. Now you owe me royalties. You've taught me everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, man, I I call it automated wholesaling. Yes. Because if you set it up right, you, you really don't have to do anything. Um, well, you got to send the marketing out. But you can get someone else to do that. You I could have, if you trusted them. <laughs> that's, that's the difference between me and Alex. He, uh, <laughs> I, I'm too trusting of people sometimes. And, uh, you know, Alex is too, but I just have my assistant do it. And yeah. I bet you, though, if I paid more attention to it and I did it, I'd probably get better results because – I know what lists are good, and I've given her general directions, and she does a great job. Yeah, but um, you, you're absolutely right because if you, if your VA makes one mistake, you know you just oh, lost. it's the list. You the just, list is everything. Yeah, <laughs> thousands of dollars in a list. Sometimes you could um, get the phone number wrong on the postcard. You could have the website wrong, or maybe it just doesn't go for the. I, I did that once. That was one of my first campaigns I ever did. I had the 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 phone number wrong, but the thing that saved me was I had a website on there. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh this this idea of automated wholesaling. And I think uh, this is something I've helped uh Jack set up, I think. Oh, nice. Maybe we can talk about that, Jack. Absolutely. I would love to. Uh but it's about, you know, cuz we're all marketers and we talk about this. If you're going to be successful in the business, you got to understand you're not in the real estate business. You're in the marketing business. No matter if you're flipping land or notes or wholesaling deals, whatever it is that you're doing, you're in the marketing business. And it's about setting up the systems and the marketing so that the leads can come in, right? And then you've got a system that pre-screens the leads and then takes those leads that have been pre-screened and giving them to another wholesaler to go do their magic with because you're always going to close more deals if you can get to the seller's house, meet them in person, build a rapport, that type of thing, right? And uh, I've had some students lately telling me that, you know, I've talked to a couple of wholesalers and they uh, they don't want to work with me. They they and, and I'm scratching my head thinking, well, something's wrong because you're not explaining it right. What <laughs> wholesaler in their right mind would say no to you giving them? Pre, you paying for the marketing and giving them pre-screened motivated seller leads, right? Uh, yeah. Now, unless and, and, and scratcher, <laughs> well, and, yeah, you know, unless they were already doing a ton of marketing themselves and had enough leads coming in, there's there the more leads, guys. the better, right? But see, when you are approaching other wholesalers to set this kind of business up, it's important that you offer something of value to them, right? And for you, Alex, that's you're providing them the 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 VAs that are pre-screening these leads. You're paying for the marketing. You're providing the VAs that are pre-screening the leads, and you probably have the systems in place to do and all the, the infrastructure. And Absolutely, the, and the money to close on the deal if they needed it, right? Exactly. And you're doing the follow-up, correct? Yeah. So it's a win-win-win. I I really love this. Uh, 
the way this business is working. And I love teaching and coaching people. I've, I've done probably three or four different courses in the past, and this is by far my favorite right now. And it's more of a group coaching model. I'm really excited about it. And uh, those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, if you go to either realestateinvestingmastery.com and download our Fast Cash Survival Kit or join our mailing list somewhere on the website, you'll get email notifications on the next time I open it up and the next time I do a webinar on it. But um, it's really, really good. I'm doing less and less one-on-one coaching and more group coaching in this automated wholesaling model because I'm seeing a tremendous success and a lot of people doing cool things with it. But um, Awesome. Hey, listen, real quick. Uh, we talked about Real Estate Investing Mastery just a second ago, but go there if you want our Fast Cash Survival Kit. And one of the things, if you go in and you look at our show notes, you'll find a previous episode, and I think we called it Leave a Review, Get Cool Stuff. And if you leave us a review in iTunes, we're going to send you a couple books, send you some online video courses that we've done, and it's really cool, good or bad review. We really appreciate the reviews. Um, I get excited. I'm going to read a couple of them here. We really like to see that you guys are getting something out of the show, that you're listening to this. We're probably over a million downloads right now, Alex. Wow, that's awesome. We have listeners in over 150 countries. And I don't know what exactly our downloads are because we have a lot of listeners that listen to us from things like from apps like Stitcher, where they don't give you the stats on that stuff. But um, let me read this review from Hector. He gives us a five star review. He says, awesome and informative. Hector says, hands down, this is the real estate podcast filled with the most practical and actionable ideas and recommendations. The guests cover topics which educate the listeners all about the varieties and nuances of real estate investing. It is also the podcast where I can hear about the latest hacks as far as marketing and technology. I have been a fan from the start, and the one suggestion I would make is that I would like to hear more from Alex. Come on, Alex. You want to hear more from me, huh? He's saying I talk too much. That's basically what he's saying. Oh, (laughs) man. However, the podcast is easily the most awesome and informative. That's the we have two hundred and fifty something reviews, and that's the first person who has ever said they want to hear more from you. <laughs> how does that maybe? Make you, how does that make maybe you feel? we need maybe we need to do a one on one or podcast uh, so you could just hear from me and Joe, and I'll uh, say as much as possible just to make Hector happy. How about that? That's a great idea. In fact, you should just start doing your own episodes. Alex episodes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay. One more review. Can't wait for the next one by Kona East. By the way, thanks Hector for that. Appreciate it. Kona says, awesome podcast. Love the detail of the content. As a beginner, much of the content concerns getting started in the business. It makes me think I can actually do this. Thanks guys. We appreciate that. Kona East five-star review. So again, thanks guys for leaving us reviews. If you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, Check out the show notes and look up the episode in the search box called Free Stuff. And you'll see a podcast there where it gives you instructions on leave a review, good or bad, and we'll send you a bunch of free gifts. Okay? Just our way of, say, of saying thank you. Cool. So, Alex, we need more stuff from you, man. More stuff. Yeah, okay. You need, to, you need to chime in more. And, and if I I'm hogging more, if I'm hogging the mic too much, I apologize. I need a uh, I need a button that uh, pokes you or something. <laughs> 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 All right. So we've got some cool guests on the show. Jack and Michelle Bosch. How are you guys? 
I have the solution for you guys. We're doing great, and I have the solution for you guys. Uh -oh. yeah. What's the solution? The, the solution to getting um, uh, Joe to let Alex speak more is for Alex to go ahead and uh, kick him under the table. Unfortunately, since you guys that, studio, a big virtual table. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you need some death message where Alex can say, like, hey, stop talking. Let me talk first. <laughs> I just, you know. I appreciate Joe and I appreciate all the knowledge he spews and as it as he spews it I just soak it all in and become a better person so you know and we do too and we do too we know we known Joe for also just a couple of years and Joe is a wonderful guy uh that uh, we we're very honored to be on you guys' uh, podcast here and uh and uh, yeah Joe is a great guy he's helped us a lot yes indeed you have helped us set up our virtual wholesaling of houses and we love it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He, you are a, a systems genius. Well, I appreciate yes, that. Yes, definitely. Definitely systems and spreadsheets genius. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you can make a lot of money with spreadsheets. You can. You can. <laughs> yeah, joking. you literally can. You could make a spreadsheet make, you know, you may not be in your bank account, but, you know, you could see right. how it would work. <laughs> right, right. So, um, Jack and Michelle, you guys, the reason why you're mentioning the kicking under the table thing is because you guys have a podcast and you guys are in the same room because you're married, probably. I would, I'm assuming, right? When you, yeah, that's correct. Yes. So, we so, ah, so do you have like black and blue shins from her kicking you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's actually quite reasonable. I get the, I get the stare sometimes if I talk too much, but, oh, uh, that, that is quite effective and leaves less bruises. You know, if, if we had our spouses on this show, Alex, it would be a much better show. Wow, that would be interesting. It would probably be a lot shorter, too. <laughs> well, she could really... Well, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> We're not going to say anything bad about our spouses. But I, one no, thing, that wouldn't be a bad thing. I, but, you know. Oh, okay. All right. But um, I think it's so cool that you guys can do that. Jack and Michelle, because not a lot of people can work together as well as you guys do. I'm sure you have your squabbles, right? But it's I think it's pretty awesome you guys can work together. How, how hard my is it? My house would blow up if my <laughs> wife was on a podcast. We'd have to hire a babysitter yeah. for us to both be on the oh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> you know, pieces of my house would just be falling off. You know, <laughs> well, it works quite well for us because we have maintained over the years and we've been working together since 2002 or so. Approximately yeah, over a decade. Wow. Over a decade. So, um, Michelle, we, we, we do our real estate investing together. We spend 24-7 together uh, and we love it uh, because we have different personalities and different strengths. So, we are we are working in a sense in different parts of our business. Yeah. So and that and that really makes it work. When we when we do occasionally come uh, have the need to decide uh, in the same area of our business, that's when the sparks fly. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. To set those boundaries uh, way at the beginning, I think, and and um, and rules on basically agree on how to disagree, and then everything um, you know turns out fine. And then have rules for how to remind her that she agreed to disagree. <laughs> so what, what part of the business do you do, Michelle, and what part do you do, Jack? Okay, so, um, so I mainly take care of whatever crazy idea Jack comes up with. 
and I uh, make sure that we can basically um, implement. I'm uh, the strategic planner of the two. Um, he is the uh, visionary and innovator. And, um, and I think that combination, you know, really has worked well. So I'm in charge of, you know, day-to-day -day operations, making sure everything is working out smoothly. Uh, and we're our, on target. I'm the one that loves to measure um, and, it, you know, looks a lot at metrics. Um, and, um, and Jack is basically our, our, our marketing genius and um, our, our visionary. So, yeah, for example, in the... When we go, when, when we decide to go in a certain, for, for a certain new area, for example, uh, for years we only flipped land, as, as you know. And as we decided, when we decided to also flip houses, basically I went out and I figured out how we're going to go about that, what do we need to do. I, uh, I, you, I basically, I talked to you, Joe, you talked to us about the virtual wholesaling, how to do this, because we're using the exact same technique that we used to flip land. Also to flip houses, house. but obviously the house process is a different process than the land process. So we we kind of uh, figured out that the best way for us to do this, we did a couple of test runs, we flipped a bunch of houses, and then we sat back and it's like, well, here's certain pieces that we don't really enjoy doing, and how do we systemize those pieces? Well, I basically looked at uh, and I said like, let's do house flips. I got the list, I processed the list, I we uh, we we basically. Um, came up with the letters and the things and the direct mail and so on. But then Michelle took it from there, put all the organization in place, made sure that that these letters go out, that that there's a system in place on how how the phone calls are being taken and so on and so forth. And then we sat back and says like, well, now how do we organize this such that it doesn't take our time anymore? And uh, together we came up with ideas. And then Michelle went and implemented those ideas while I ran while I went out and and, and started something new again. That's, that's kind of the yep. that's how the dynamics works. That pretty much, yeah, definitely summarizes it. Yeah, houses and land, um, a different ball game, you know. And a lot of times with wholesaling and stuff, we come across land deals. And uh, in fact, one of my biggest wholesale deal. Well, I guess it's not the biggest anymore, but a really big deal. A real, a really big deal that we did or I did back in the day. Um, and came at a very opportune time when I took on my first rehab and it almost killed me and literally financially <laughs> and a big huge wholesale deal came along and it was land that uh, there was one house on it but uh, saw the potential to divide it into four and by doing that um, I mean it turned into a $75,000 wholesale deal um, and that was land how did you find it oh it was just regular um, it was just regular marketing. Uh, there was a house on it, and uh, the rest of the land was attached to the house. And it was already, I believe the lots were already uh, divided as well. And if I was in the situation where I'm in it now, I definitely would have kept it, and I would have probably made four times as much on that on that deal. Right. <laughs> okay. All right, we're back. Um, so, Alex, you were just talking about you flipped some land. Uh, and how much yeah, money did you make on that deal? That that deal was a seventy five thousand dollar deal. I got the. <laughs> it was uh -huh. funny. My virtual assistant really give him all the credit on that one um, because the lead came in, and I think the first like the house that had the land was assessed at one sixty, and he ran the whole numbers on it, and it was like one sixty times point seventy minus a guesstimate of like thirty thousand in repairs. 
and it brought the number down to 80,000 which the uh, seller accepted. And I, and I went back and I was looking, I was like, oh man, this doesn't look like a deal. But then when I went out there and saw all the lots that came, that were attached to the house and made sure that those were in the legal description, um, which is everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and found out, I was like, wow. I mean, this we tear one house, put four up in its place. And at, again, at the time, I really had no experience with new construction and development and stuff like that. But I found one of my friends at the time uh, who, who was doing a lot of new construction and offered to him for 160 And uh, he took it within a second. And, and uh, I mean, you know, it was an $80,000 deal, I guess. But, you know, after closing costs and double closing and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, he turned around and sold one of his lots for like 80,000 to one of the premier development companies in there and then developed the rest. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> but I needed it. I needed it at that time. I needed that deal or else I think it would have been bad. So that's awesome. Jack and Michelle, you guys are known for your stuff on flipping land. You've been teaching that and doing that for years. Um, we don't have to talk much about that because the first four episodes, I believe of your podcast, again, go to, Everybody needs to go to iTunes, do a search for Forever Cash, real estate investing, and you'll find your podcast. But on the first four episodes, you talk about how to flip land, right? That's yeah. right. Yes. We talk about our particular niche, which is actually uh, more tax delinquent real estate investing than land. But for the, last, uh, for the first 10 years of our real estate investing career, we basically just applied this to land because we love land because it's just simple. Uh, we, we refer to the three T's that don't exist on land, which are no tenants, no toilets, and no termites. Yeah. Uh, so as a result, it's it's really simple. Plus, uh, it, it, in the land area, there's no competition. There is, uh, or almost no competition. There's a huge amount of, uh, of sellers out there. Uh, there's also a huge amount of buyers out there, but the buyers typically don't go and, and are, they're not real estate investors, they're end buyers. So basically, if you as a real estate investor go after land, you can get tremendous bargains. We buy most of our properties between five and 25 cents on the dollar. And then when we turn around, we get close to market value uh, because, uh, because there's a ready waiting buyer pool there. Just like you just said, Alex, if it's, uh, if it's tra attractive areas, it's the builders are the pool. But even if you're, if you're buying out in the outskirts of town or in rural areas, there's a ready and ready buyer pool waiting for those that will either want to buy in the in the path of growth or just want to rec recreational buyers that just want to have something where they can go put up their RV at their tent and have, have a bunch of fun on the weekend. So so we first applied this to land only, but now for the last few years we also uh, going after tax delinquent house owners and we're flipping houses exactly the same way as we're flipping land. Yeah. It's, uh, if I may add, we, we originally started, you know, uh, in, like Jack said, in the tax lien and tax deed world, um, actually attending um, auctions. And then, you know, we had this aha moment where we're like, okay, you know, um, really our goal here, you know, is to go after the property. And, you know, these people that are losing their properties at auction have made um, a decision years back to let go, you know, these properties. And so why not contact them way before, you know, uh, their properties come come for auction, and that's kind of you know where 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 we started. You know this our own methodology of of going after tax delinquent real estate. Um, right, so plus, it served a purpose back then. You know, um, Jack still had a job 
um, I did too. And um, we were looking, you know, for freedom of, of, of time and money. And, um, and we thought, okay, this, this could really be, you know, be a good vehicle, you know, to, to accomplish that. And, and from that really developed, um, you know, our financial philosophy, which is, um, which, which is composed of three types of cash. Um, yeah. One-time cash, temporary cash, and forever cash. And, and land was a, was a great, basically, pathway to achieve, a, you know, one-time cash and temporary cash. And Jack can explain a little bit more what those right. mean. And that's the name of the podcast, Forever Cash, Real Estate Investing, a podcast. Well, can you talk a little bit about how do you make cash flow with land? Because you're not dealing with tenants or rentals, right? How do you, build, how do you set that up? No, no rentals, no tenants, no cell phone towers on the land. Although, if you come across something like that, that's obviously a great cash flow source. Uh, but, but no, our principle of uh, uh, the way we work is very—it's really very simple. It's—I even call it the simplification of real estate because what we go after is pieces of land that the owners don't want anymore. In many cases, they have stopped paying property taxes. We use them stopping paying the property taxes as an indicator that they don't want their property anymore. As Michelle just said. They made the decision to not want this property anymore, to stop the property taxes, stop the bleeding, right? From uh, Because what everyone says about land is that it doesn't cash flow. On the contrary, it sucks money out of your pocket through property taxes. So there's a lot of people who don't want that anymore, and therefore they stop paying property taxes. So if you contact these people by direct mail, they will be gladly sell their property to you at steep discounts. So this is the premise of, of what we do. Uh, of what we've done for, for 13 years now, just the last few years we've added houses to it. But then always uh, what we started up with is we started this with $3,000 for our name um, and, and basically not, no real estate experience. And the first deal that came our, came our way was a, was a land deal. And we didn't know anything about real estate, nothing about houses, nothing about land. So it was, the land deal was the easier deal to do because we didn't have to know anything about real estate. Because it's just a piece of dirt. You don't have to estimate repairs or anything like that. You just buy cheap and sell it more expensive. Yeah. But after a while, after doing like 10, 20 deals, um, basically somebody came to us. We were selling a property for about $25,000. And, uh, and we had bought this property for about $2,500. And this person basically says, uh, I don't have $25,000. Would you allow me to give you a $2,000 down payment? and make monthly payments of $400 a month. And our knowledge of real estate back then, now we're talking 2003 in this moment, was so little that we hadn't even heard about seller financing, about the concept of seller financing. And we were like, uh, sure, why not? Is this legal? So we kind of like, we said like, okay, yeah, that's, as long as it's legal, we can do this. So we went to an attorney, dropped some paperwork, and, and we basically had the guy give us $2,000 down and then make $400 a month payment. And by the time he has made a second monthly payment, we had all the money back that we had put into this property, including mm. closing costs. Yeah. So all of a sudden, we're like, we like this. We like looked at each other and we were excited like because it was, like, yeah. it was like, at that moment, I had a car payment that was $350 a month uh, and plus an insurance of another 50 or something dollars a month. So I was like, this monthly payment from this piece of land that by the way is going to last for 10 years now just pays for my car payment and my car insurance nice. let's do this again so we did it again and again and again and put the pedal to the metal and within a matter of a couple of years we had built this up to over seventy-five thousand dollars a month coming in how much again say it again 75 grand a month from your notes on your land 
from nodes on land without any tenants, toilets, termites, without any hassles, uh, and with just basically now with, with them just sending checks in the mail or by credit card or by direct deposit or by uh, what's ACH. The, ACH. And so no different, different ways that it's coming into. And uh, now that the thing is, of course, these monthly payments will end sometime. So it's not what we refer to as forever cash. It's not cash that comes in forever. Yeah. But it is cash that comes in for a long time. Because you have so, 10 or 15 year notes. Because you have turned, depending on the, on, the, on the kind of amount of the sale, you might have a five year note, but the majority of our notes are seven to 12 years. So that's a pretty stable long-term cash flow. And, um, and, and yeah, so that's, that's how we make land cash flow. That's uh, fantastic. Fan financing. That's that's fantastic. And Alex, how much cash flow are you getting from your uh, land holdings? <laughs> um, uh, none. None. Yeah, I, I'm not either. Yeah, I, the the it sounds really 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 awesome. And now you guys are in Phoenix. Is there a certain? Uh, are you buying land on the outskirts of Phoenix, or do you have a little certain little uh, air, you know, pocket of the country where you're like, oh yeah, we buy there, or because um, you know, I'm trying this, to think around here, you know, what yeah, we would we do this all across the U.S. Of course, yeah. you know, the Southwest is our backyard, so you know, California, New Mexico, Colorado, California, um, and that's our Washington, backyard, you know. It's our backyard because that's where we got started. Yeah. At the beginning, we were under the illusion that we actually have to go look at all the properties. So we started in Arizona. We started within an hour, two hours driving distance from where we live. And, uh, and we spent our weekends looking at these properties. And then we expanded from there little by little. And then at some point of time, we realized we don't have to actually go look at these properties uh, because oh, yeah. they're just dirt with Google Earth, Google Maps. You can Topo. see uh, yeah. topo maps. You can see everything you need about these properties from the comfort of your home. And in that moment, we really started expanding nationwide, from literally from Hawaii to Florida. Uh, and uh, we have a tendency to stay in the southern half of the United States just because uh, the easier. winters are milder. There's more people that like there's snowbirds there and so on. And it's easier to sell properties in winter in the yeah. southern half than the northern half. But uh, but having said that, we have students now that do this in Wisconsin and do this in in in, in Washington and Pennsylvania and 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 you in New Hampshire and so on and so forth. So you name it. Uh, uh, we just tend to like weather, like land that's that's year-round snow-free. Well, that makes a lot of sense, and that's one of the reasons why I love automated wholesaling, like we were talking about before. And I'd like to talk with you guys more about that. Um, sure. But still, coming back to land, I, I'm so ish passionate about that because. You're creating, you're, you're taking something that's not very competitive and it's easy to systemize and automate, right? Because right. I think one of, the, one of the things that you guys do, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you send out mail regularly, but you really don't sit down and look at your leads and make offers, but once a week. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. That, that element of that time urgency that you have in homes because of the high level of competition really doesn't exist in land at all. Right. So you're just, you know, on a Thursday or whatever, you're sitting down looking at all the responses that came in. And uh, when you, in your mail, are you actually sending, is it just a letter or are you sending a contract, making an offer right there? No, we're sending them a letter. There's different ways you can do it, but we prefer sending them just a letter, having them call in. Our phone calls are taken by a call center. 
and or virtual assistants if you want uh, and they enter it into a database and then literally we only look at that database once a week and there's a cutoff time for that thing or a cutoff day and everything that comes in after the cutoff time on that day will go into the next week's offer making and that is the, the really a beautiful part about the land flipping because there's so little competition that you can have somebody wait for their offer for two weeks yeah. set the uh, expectation and you them. set that expectation because the chances there that they're going to get another letter from somebody else in a matter of that week, if they haven't received a single letter in the last 20 years, uh, is extremely low. That's so, definitely true. I, I, I know exactly how that works. <laughs> You'd be like, well, you got to accept this offer now before that next postcard comes in or they're sifting through. Yeah you know, 20 postcards and they almost have a Rolodex now of, of uh, investors to go to. <laughs> exactly. And they don't in the land area. And that's why we moved, uh, when we saw, when we added houses to it, internally we moved over to the virtual wholesaling model uh, because uh, we're gotten used to a pretty comfortable life in the sense that we, uh, that we really like to, to schedule our things out that on Thursdays we make offers on, or on, on Thursdays we look at the, the properties and make, and do our value analysis, and on Fridays we make our offers, and then on I don't know Mondays we go and and list these properties up for sale and do new promotions and things like that. And Tuesday, Wednesday we go play with our daughter, and uh, in, in a sense. But um, we um, with when we added the houses, all of a sudden we found ourselves having to react much quicker. And the moment we added the virtual wholesaling to it, uh, where we had a where we basically generated the leads with our method. Because the tax delinquent property owners are really some of the most motivated property owners in the in the world, because most of their properties are free and clear. Because if they would have a mortgage on there, the bank would pay the property taxes for them once a year, because their the property taxes are escrowed in into the monthly payment. Yeah. And so only the people that, that either the people that don't pay the mortgage, or the people which are also motivated, or the people who don't have a mortgage, can get get to pay their own property taxes every year. So the list is full of of high equity leads yeah. and the fact that they're short, that they only have a certain amount of time before their property goes for tax deed sale or for tax lien sale or foreclosure on the tax lien sale means that they're highly motivated to do something, to sell their property. So you have a very highly motivated list with high equity, and uh, but you have to react quickly. And the moment we added the, the virtual wholesaling part where we had a, a, a co-wholesaler in, in the local markets that we can send the leads to, it really took care of that urgency factor because now we, we could we, train we a virtual assistant. The, the jumping around to somebody. Yeah, we transfer the <laughs> jumping around to somebody on the ground who is used to that and who loves doing that, and we could maintain our fairly calm lifestyle. Excellent. Well, you you mentioned all the benefits. What are, are there any drawbacks? Any things that are challenging maybe in land that you don't get in other types of deals? Uh, sure, they are, and one of them is uh, is. You do have to be a little careful in what you buy. There's, there's uh, particularly in the in the low, 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 low price segment. Mm -hmm. For example, if you go outside of, of of bigger cities into more rural areas, there's pockets uh, where there's literally properties. And if you live in New York or San Francisco or Los Angeles, you can't even imagine that being true. But uh, but there's areas in the country where you can buy uh, five acres for under five thousand dollars. What the market value is five thousand dollars. Whereas there's parcels where the mark where the acre sells for four hundred dollars, and you're buying ten acres for four thousand dollars, or forty acres for six thousand dollars, where the acre prices is one hundred thirty, one hundred fifty dollars. 
in those areas, you got to be really, really careful uh, what you buy because, because you can buy these properties a dime a dozen, but selling those is a little a bit of a more of a challenge. So in those areas, you have to really look for, for large acreage, 40 acres and more, because 40 acres, even in the middle of nowhere, cheap acres sells, sells well. For example, there's an area in Nevada that we like buying 40-acre parcels on. We're buying a 40-acre parcel for under $2,000, and we're selling that thing for cash for about six or $7,000. It's not a huge profit, but it's a four dollars to $5,000 quick cash profit that we can do all day long. But if we would buy five-acre properties in that area, we would probably have to pay $1,000 for them, and we would be able to sell them for $1,500 or $2,000. There's not enough margin in those deals, so you want to stay away from from these kind of super super low priced areas unless they're large acreage. Uh, but if but other than that, um, sometimes comping, you know, and value analysis could be a little bit more challenging. Sometimes, particularly if you're dealing with odd sized properties, yeah. what Michelle says is absolutely correct. If you have like 300 acres somewhere and there's just not another 300 acre parcel that's being sold, yeah. uh, then, then you got to fish around a little bit. You got to find for some 20, 40, 60 acre parcels. If you find anything like that, you got to basically then, uh, what we say, calculate them by the pound or by the acre and, and, and so on. But, but other than that, I mean, uh, the market also is, is a, the land market right now is a seller financing market. So you can sell those. Those, those deals that I just explained for quick cash with a five, six thousand, four to six thousand dollars quick cash profit. But a lot of the deals are, and we focus on the deals below eighty thousand dollars. Usually our sweet spot is value between ten and fifty thousand dollars in value. That's the sweet spot of the pieces of land. Uh, and there's a lot of seller financing in that market going on right now. So that means you might not get a big bunch of cash right now for your deal, but therefore it builds that cash flow. That provides stability, and as I said, if you if you if you charge four hundred dollars a month, you do that twenty times over the course of a year, you got eight thousand dollars or ninety six thousand dollars a year coming in, and you have to do nothing for that for the next five to ten years. Infill lots though will be a, a quick source of cash, you know, yes, for yes. flipping. And the closer you get to the deal that Alex described earlier, uh, the closer you get into the city, infill lots and things like that, as Michelle just mentioned, those sell very quickly for cash. But and no, there's not that many disadvantages. Well, you, you stay away from those lots, the empty lots in the inner city. Is that correct? Uh, no, we don't stay away from them. We're actually right now running an initiative. Uh, we're in the starting holes for an initiative to, to actually go after them. And we have built up a nice little list of, 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 uh, of builders that are looking for lots like those. And, uh, and that's a, that, but that's a, a little bit, again, a different ballgame because depending on where you are, you do have you getting closer to the characteristics of a house sale because um, because yeah. just the competition for these land uh, for these infill lots is a little bit steeper. And the moment you go outside of the city, in like in the path of growth, within an hour driving distance from the city, or into a recreational area, an attractive recreational area, perhaps a, an hour or two hours away from the major city where people like to go out for the weekends and have cabins and things like that. That's the moment where you start dealing with almost zero competition. Well, okay, but I'm thinking of markets, areas in St. Louis right now where, um, I mean, you, you can't even give away a house for $1,000, right? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So Don't you, stay away from those war zones, as we call them. Uh, you you, you want to stay away from those. I mean, I know in Chicago it's the same thing. You can buy, you can buy infill lots for 50 bucks, 
in a neighborhood that you would have to pay me to go into. Yes. Okay. Right. So now, and you saying, can do you can uh, buy these lots and get the cash flow inside of your IRA, right? Oh, absolutely. Land is a great tool to be doing inside yeah. your IRA because by its nature it's passive. Uh, because there's nobody that that runs around on it and breaks stuff and so on, and there's no property management that has to be paid out of your IRA and so on. Uh, it's 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 great for flipping, and it's also great for holding on pieces holding of land yeah. in uh, in in path in the path of growth. Because we have some pieces of land that we bought for three to five three three to seven thousand dollars. They're worth right now between let's say fifteen and fifty thousand dollars. But the city is moving in that direction. So it might be another 10 years, and these properties are probably, hopefully, or I, I expect them to be worth anywhere from $100,000 to $500,000 a piece. Mm -hmm. And those are obviously great pieces to put into an IRA. Uh, yes, you have to pay the property taxes on an annual basis for them. That's a disadvantage if you hold them. Uh, and there's no income then coming in if you hold them. But it's a great buy and hold place, the IRA, for properties that are highly likely to be in the path of growth and be worth much more down the road. Yeah. But also, you can hold the note in the IRA. Uh, so you buy a property, you sell it to sell a financing. Now the IRA becomes the bank, and uh, that's absolutely allowed in a self-directed IRA. Now, um, it's funny. I'm looking on the MLS right now for areas on the outskirts of St. Louis. And there's a lot of lots for sale right now on the MLS. You're not going after lots already listed for sale, right? Uh, no, we're actually going, we do not go after, after MLS uh, properties. We don't sift through the MLS. We get a list of properties with back taxes from the county offices. Yeah. And now it happens, of course, that these listed properties are also going to be in those county office records. So every once in a while it happens that we send somebody a letter who has this property listed with a realtor. Now when they call us, they're going to tell us that and then immediately we ask for the realtor's information and then we submit our offer to the realtor. But it doesn't change our offer. We don't let ourselves be confused by the fact that they have their property listed for 50 grand. If we think we can only offer 6,000 for it, we'll make the offer for six. And we have got properties like that. Yeah. Fascinating. And I really like the idea of the cash flow aspect of it. You can create great passive income, and but that's still not the forever cash that you talk about. Will you talk about what is forever cash and what is that? What mean? is the forever cash? I'm sitting here waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to go to Amazon and buy my book, foreverCash.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's the solution here. It's available on Amazon for only like $14 or so. Uh, obviously, you can also to go to forevercash.com and, 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 and look at the details there. But, uh, but uh, forever cash is really a terminology that we came up with in our household. Uh, we basically look at every, every activity that generates money and categorize it in three different uh, buckets. Bucket one is if it's one-time cash. Basically, it's you work for it once and you get paid for it once. So basically, a job or if, you, if somebody works on an hourly rate, they, get, they work an hour, get paid an hour, and if they don't work, they don't get paid. So that's one-time cash. Flipping um, also falls flipping is Flipping is one-time cash. However, it's a much better quality one-time cash than flipping burgers for $8 an hour. Because you work a few hours, Good you make $3,000, and but it's still one-time cash. That means if you stop flips, the income stops. Uh, temporary cash is the second one, which is the one what we, what we do with our land. 
We sell it, we sell a financing, now we get cash flow for the next five, seven, 10, 12, 15 years, whatever the name of the loan, the length of the loan is, and then it stops. But in that 10, 12, 15 years, we get, we get nice, steady, temporary cash flow. And forever cash, therefore, logically, it's the extension of it, is when you work once and you get paid forever. And ultimately, that then comes from rental. I mean, if you put a, if somebody puts a, uh, a cell phone tower on a piece of land, that would be forever cash because they strike with you a 25-year agreement or billboard. It's a 25-year, 20-year agreement, and then they probably extend it afterwards. So then it's a, it, that is truly forever cash. Or obviously a rental house. And that ultimately, or, it commercial, was, property. or commercial property and, and, and multifamily and those kind of things. And that's ultimately the reason why after doing land for 10 years, we transitioned over to houses because we realized, first of all, our technique of finding tax delinquent property owners works for houses just as well as for land. But we're using this technique in two ways. Number one, we're doing flips on, on, on houses in order, to pro, in order to generate cash, one-time cash. Uh-huh. But secondly, we also, when we find a gem of a property in our backyard, we hold on to it. We pay for it usually out of the profits of our flips. So we're turning a one-time cash into forever cash every time we hold a property and we pay it off. So for example, we just this uh, last year we bought a uh, bought a condo that we got for $6,500 that rents for $500 a month. That's a pretty good deal, right? So basically uh, every year's uh, one year rental pays for the property. Yeah. And uh, and we got a tenant in there that paid two years in advance rent. So we paid we got $12,000 <laughs> when renting to them. Now that means we don't get cash flow for the next two years, but still, it's it's a pretty good deal. And then also during this, using that same technique, we found a car repair shop that we bought for ninety five thousand dollars that provides us that that pays sixteen hundred dollars in rent every single month, triple net, and it's a uh, it's a very cool deal. The guy's very happy, and it's and it's basically three three walls and a roof, and and he's paying sixteen hundred dollars for that. So we we use the money from the flips to then pay for a property that we decide not to flip and that we decide to keep. And therefore we're building up our portfolio of forever cash properties using the exact same technique that we also use to create one-time cash and the exact same technique that we're using to generate forever cash. Uh, temporary cash. Temporary cash. So it's, it's important to be thinking about not just cash now, not just cash flow, but cash later. Right. And, and that's the great thing about real estate. There's probably no other investment that I know of that gives that kind of consistent, predictable income. People are always going to need housing. If you look at population trends in the United States, I mean, they're expecting the population of the United States to double. And then I think it's the next 50 years. And I may be wrong on that. Don't quote me. That's awesome. Yeah, the time horizon the real estate provides is just incredible. And that's why I'm buying in the United States and not in Germany because the German population is expected to be cut in half in the next 50 years. <laughs> so uh, They're not making any babies over there. I know. That's what uh, liberalism will do for you. <laughs> this, is, this is not a political show. <laughs> no. But no, no. I but, think, I think if I, 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 I've been to Germany several times and I... I think I can safely say that they generally lean to the left politically. Am I right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. We're so, not saying that there's anything wrong with that, except 
Maybe yeah. uh, we are. And, and everyone in the country, most people in the country bought into it and they buy into that, and that's fine. They're as a collective uh, apparently quite happy, uh, but uh, that comes at a certain cost. But yes, it's not a political show. So, so the last right. thing I wanted to say about, uh, I mean, you, you said it's not a political show. I, I, I'll go with you wherever you want to go. It's your show. <laughs> but uh, but uh, what I wanted to say is, yes, it's not all about making money right now. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, my thinking sometimes goes, what if, what if we, what if I get hit by a truck someday? Or what if somebody, not I, but what if the the main, and I'm not the main bread uh, breadwinner here. We work together. Michelle is a, totally capable of of running this thing better than, same or better than I am. But, but what if uh, something, if somebody is the sole breadwinner and something happens, all of a sudden uh, that income is gone, and and if they were really good at providing the family with one-time cash. They're going from a really nice luxury lifestyle to almost zero overnight because because one-time cash will not allow you to retire. It is That's great. very true. It's to pay off debt. It's a great source to build up cash uh, cash uh, cash on the sidelines. It's a great source for a great lifestyle now, but it will not provide for the future. And that's when we started shifting our things over into temporary cash and forever cash, which doesn't mean we don't do flips anymore. What it means is that now we have a portfolio of rental properties that if I get hit by the truck or we get hit by a truck, our daughter can live off for the rest of her life and is being taken care of through college and everything down into the future. Excellent. Excellent. So I, well, okay, I won't go into that. I was going to go down the whole path of annuities and life insurance and <laughs> that. I, I like this so Sorry. much better. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, you get the cash right, you know, now to live on. Right. Yeah, you get the cash now, and you get the appreciation, and you get the tax benefits, uh, uh, and 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 you got the lower tax rate if you ever sell these properties. Plus, you can roll them over in a ten thirty one exchange, and so on and so forth. And uh, so it's 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 full of benefits and very little very little uh, downside. Obviously, what whatever downside comes with rental properties, which is having having to deal with tenants, but but there's ways to to pick really good tenants, and we have to say uh, we have almost we have very little little issues with our tenants. Yeah, yeah, and it's all about where you buy your properties at too, right? Right, where you buy them and how you select your tenants, because we got some properties in in pretty mixed, I wouldn't say shady neighborhoods, but uh, but borderline shady neighborhoods, and uh, and we still have don't we still don't have many problems because. We, we just learned over the last few years to really, or we had problems at the beginning, but we learned over the past few years to really do a much better job in tenant selection. Right. Now, I, I'd like to go back a little bit, if you don't mind, and maybe we might have to break this up into two episodes. I don't know yet. But uh, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about um, you're doing some wholesaling of houses. And we've talked about this before, and I, and I, I think I helped you a little bit with that. And you helped us a lot. <laughs> well, it's cool because I'd like to talk about more about that. That's kind of where my passion is right now. And I'm seeing a lot of success with students that are doing this. Um, what market did you choose to go in and, and start marketing in? Actually, very funny. We picked our own market. Okay. Because of the reasons that I mentioned earlier that we don't want to have to 
to deal with jumping in a car when somebody calls and he seems to have a great deal. I don't want to jump in the car when I have plans to, to go to the playground with my daughter and instead drive down there, meet somebody and negotiate the property. I'm not even very good at negotiating because again, in the land area, I don't have to negotiate a whole lot. Yeah. So, uh, so I identified that, that I don't even want to do these, these things in our local market ourselves. Uh, so we looked for a, uh, we looked for, uh, and, and actually found three different wholesale partners that which we vetted against each other and, and each gave a bunch of deals a bunch of leads and so on and and uh, identified which over time identified which one of those is the, is the best the most trustworthy the one that is most professional that follows the least the best way and and, and I'm totally happy to to basically split a deal even in and we're totally happy to even split a deal in our own backyard with a, a virtual wholesaler or with with a wholesale partner on the ground so that I can I can maintain the life the way I want it because we really are big about designing our business around how we want to live our life yeah. versus having our business decide how we're going to live our life. Yeah. So we even, we even, we even chose our own market and we're about to expand. We were thinking about to expand. We have a couple of good friends, wholesalers in a couple of other markets that we want to go after. We just haven't gotten around to, to do that yet. So you're doing the marketing, and are you pre-screening the leads as well? Yes, we are. We're doing the marketing. Uh, when the phone comes in, we 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 set up uh, the entire system you talked to us talked to us about with like uh, with like uh, Vumber numbers and things and systems and on that we yeah. can track and Podio and we then, just added uh, Ring Central to and, it and 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 different phone systems yeah. like Ring Central and so on. And then um, when somebody calls in, it goes to our virtual assistant, which is a wonderful lady in the Philippines who speaks perfect English and works our hours. Yeah. And she works. Uh, she's very. Uh, she and works. And Ivy's always happy. I love she's her. always happy, <laughs> and she costs us six hundred dollars a month at uh, time basis. And that's gotta our, love VAs. Good English speaking VAs. VAs. They make your life so much easier. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's I think six hundred dollars is a high price to pay for a VA, considering what other people pay. But we're happy to pay that because she's really good, and uh, she picks up the phone. She takes all the questions. Uh, if they call uh, and leave a voicemail, she calls them back. She she asks all the questions. She puts it in there. She runs the comps. She does all this. She does, the research, research, does, yeah. does all the research in the county. Fills it all in, and then she sends us a notification. In that moment, I do look at it. Either uh, I plus my, our right-hand man, Alex, not Alex, young blood here, but another Alex in our office. He looks at it, and, uh, and then either Alex or I, uh, we make a decision on what to do with it. If it's a land deal, we keep it in-house. We, we add it to the list of to make offers and so on for us once a week. If it's a house deal, it goes, and it looks like it could potentially be a deal, it goes instantly to, to, uh, to our wholesale partner locally. Uh, it, who then is also set up in Podio, who also gets then a notification. And he, he jumps right on it and, and, and does all the things and locks the deal the up and meets the seller and so on. And if he, for some reason, can't get the deal to work, we will take it back in and we'll schedule up the next follow-up follow letters and so on to keep that lead warm and, and, and try to convince that lead to change its mind over the next uh, couple of weeks or couple of Good. months. So you're doing the follow-up as well? Yes, yeah. we are. So the um, what kind of numbers are you doing? Like, um, how much mail are you sending? Do you track that? How many calls are you getting back in? Things like that. All right. So I don't have my exact numbers here right now, and it's kind of off and on. Sometimes we uh, we we kind of um, 
we go on shopping sprees. We go on shopping sprees yeah. and so on. But uh, we, I think the last month where we really nicely did this, uh, do this like consistently, we, we send out how much letter? How many letters? We send about 4,000. We have about four thousand letters in that month, and that's one set of letters. Now that's that's all three waves included, right? Ah uh, yes. Yeah, we send yes. about fifteen hundred letters. Yeah, and we, then we, we, we set, do three touches. We do a letter, a postcard, and a letter. Yeah, letter, postcard, and a letter. Okay. Three touches, and they're about ten days apart from each other, and uh, and and each of them has a different phone number on there, so we do different tracking and so on. And based off, on those, we ended up getting. I don't know the number of phone calls, but we ended up getting, um, getting I think, two deals, two house deals, a commercial deal, and and, and then a couple of two, two three pieces of land uh, that we ended up uh, working with. And, and I think one or two of them fell apart, but but uh, the other ones actually went through, and we made we made very good money with it. We made I think one of them was only five thousand dollars. The other one we ended up keeping, but we had an instant twenty thousand uh, dollar twenty thousand dollar offer. Uh, on it, basically, the moment I had another contract, somebody else wanted to buy that from me for twenty thousand dollars more. Um, and the land deals, uh, one of them we currently own, we haven't sold it yet. And another one, uh, we I think we made like about five thousand dollars on there too. Excellent, excellent. And that's you. You have to split those profits, or is that your half? No, that's our, our half. half. That's our yeah. half. That's fantastic. In a competitive market as Phoenix is, you're still able to do that. Sure. Yeah. That's absolutely. really cool. That's really cool. Um, you've guys talked about Podio. You have you found that Podio has been helpful for you? Do you like the the uh, the flexibility of it and how you can work it? Yeah, yeah. I like the flexibility. I mean, I, I wish it would be a little prettier, but then uh, <laughs> but, it doesn't have to be pretty. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. But no, it's very, very flexible. It's really an empty canvas where you can do whatever you want with it. Oh, yeah. Which also means that if you don't know what to do with it, you probably won't find much use to it. Yeah, so you really, you really want to wanna hire an expert like Joe, in this case, or you guys. You guys were so much help with uh, setting this up because we just looked at it and it was like, what in the world are we supposed to be doing here? Yeah. So we called you and you basically... Uh, showed us what we need to do with it and helped us and 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 it made so much more sense doing it that way. Yeah, I'm working with a new partner uh, in the, my podio part of the business. His name is Dan Schwartz, and uh, I'm really excited about the future of this. What's going on? I mean, we're doing some things now where you can actually send text messages to sellers from inside of Podio, and it's it keeps track of the conversation in the comments section. So you can actually send the seller a text message after you leave them a voicemail. Um, hey, I got your postcard. I mean, I got your call. Or you have a house you need to sell. And any response that that seller gives back to you is also kept track of in Podio right there in the in the record. And uh, we're also doing some things right now. We're real close, probably within a month or two, where we're working with a, a third-party company that actually prints and mails letters and postcards for you. And so if you click a button in Podio, it'll actually send the letter or the postcard, whatever you want to send, to this company, and it'll print it and mail it for you. Oh, nice. For for yeah. less, I mean, for, for ridiculously cheap, depending on how many credits you buy up front. And it's, it's pretty amazing. The, the technology is already there. 
It's just putting, getting the, the communication and the bridge between the two providers. That's something we're working on. But it's, it's crazy. The stuff that you can do right now, we've got to set up where you put in an address and Podi will automatically give you the Zillow link to that property. Uh, so we got some other things that we're working on. Workflows are really big right now where we're setting it up where when a property gets under contract, you, you click the under contract button and it triggers a bunch of events and workflows and tasks so that nothing falls through the cracks. And that's kind of what this is all about. It's, it's, it's making sure that when you're getting all these leads coming in, that every single lead is being followed up with and is every single lead that is, is, is as humanly possible is getting an offer. I think that's, that's huge. And Podio certainly helps to do that. But um, awesome. I wanted to... I wanted to ask you, ask you guys something, um, and I also kind of wanted to make an announcement to our podcast list. I'm getting ready to shoot out an email to my email list and also to some different masterminds that I belong to and some Facebook groups that I belong to. I am looking for an operations manager. I am looking for somebody that can help me as from an executive level in my, on the coaching side of my business. And I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about this and you don't have to share too much details about, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with, but I love the coaching business. We, I think all of us here, um, we make very good money doing deals. We also make good money teaching and coaching people how to do deals. And I really find a lot of fulfillment and joy in helping other people grow their business and do deals and stuff like that. But I'm going to need help. I need help actually implementing all of these ideas and funnels and marketing systems that I want to start implementing and putting in place. And we've been talking a little bit offline, Jack and Michelle, about this. Um, But what would you say? I mean, there's a lot of people out there, I think, listening to this podcast are kind of in the same boat. Their business is going well. It's growing. And they need some help with kind of the just implementing all of this cool stuff that they got going on. Um, and you guys have been real successful in your business because you're, you're a great team. What advice do you have or could you give to folks like me who are looking for that kind of operations manager? Not somebody who is like a project manager, but, you know, somebody higher up, somebody who's going to actually take a portion of your business and run with it. Does that make sense? Sure, absolutely makes sense. Um, and uh, the what I would say to that is yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of businesses um, are that that's a role that's crucial. And or let's do that. There's the exact skills that have taken the business from zero to whatever the level is. Let's say uh, in, in certain businesses, it's a level of zero to a hundred thousand dollars. In other levels. Other businesses, it's zero to a million dollars or zero to three million dollars. Uh, these exact skills that taking a business from zero to whatever that limit is that some one person can still kind of do a, do and oversee yourself, basically the creator of the business. Those skill set is exactly the opposite skill set of what it takes to take the business from that level to times x to time, times ten. I mean, so times uh, to like whatever that is, to a million, ten million, or something like that. So a lot of business owners find themselves at, this, at the point 
where they basically uh, started the business because they love or if you read the book the e-myth that they start as a technician they start as and that's not a, a bad word that's a basically as a person that does it that likes setting up systems and likes talking likes doing those things and then producing content and then uh, all of a sudden they find themselves doing 15 different things and that's when starts stuff fall, starts falling through the cracks and what they, in that case what they in that moment need is somebody that is different than them somebody that is actually good at what they're not good at to take care of these pieces uh, because the things that are falling through the cracks is not necessarily the pieces that the person loves doing most but it's the pieces that the person doesn't love doing and then so that the so that the business owner gets free to do what he can do best uh, continuing on and take that business to the next level at that same at that same point what also comes in is is the delegation but not just delegation in terms of uh, in terms of what you still you still in charge of it just somebody else does it but that you have people come in that you empower to actually take their own decisions within obviously certain uh, certain spectrum of, resp of responsibility and so on so so yes uh, that's a crucial spot uh, for that in order to actually find the right person for that though what you want to do is you want to kind of identify clearly which areas of your business do you want to continue being in charge of in which areas of your business do you want somebody else to run and then you want to think about uh, not hiring somebody that is just like you because if you have somebody that's just like you then you have two people that love doing what you love doing and still you don't have anyone that does the, that, that wants to do the other area uh, but instead you want to then look at the areas of your business that you do not want to do yourself anymore what kind of personality characteristics does a person need to have in order to enjoy that and then look for somebody who is good at that stuff and who loves that stuff and there's some tests for example I, I know we talked offline about that you just did that test called the Colby test yeah that's a test that basically shows you how somebody takes action what is the first thing that they take action this Colby test costs about 50 bucks to do but then another thing is um, I like asking people in interviews what they like to do as a hobby what do they like to do after hours and if and what I'm what I'm ideally looking for is somebody who does after hours the exact same thing that what I want them to do during office hours because that means that what they're doing after hours they're gonna do what they love so so if we can have a job where they get to do exactly what they love they're gonna excel at it and they're gonna be really good at it so for example I have one person in our office uh, his name is Alex so uh, when he goes home he works on websites he creates marketing campaigns he hacks websites and he basically works on technology and he writes new software wow. well guess what he's doing in our office he wrote a CRM software for us he works on our websites he hacks websites, our own websites he puts in things in there and he helps me with marketing so the guy does exactly what he would love to do after hours also with me during the time no, no wonder he's with us over eight years and he loves it and he he's, he's a rock star in performance so so basically the things to think about is, is uh, uh, that that's a couple of points because what a lot of people do wrong is that they hire people that are that are like them and when you hire somebody who's like you then you hire somebody who is good at what you're good at but you're already good at what you're good at you don't need a second one of you you need somebody who is in a sense the opposite of you 
so that they can be good at at what you're not good at. That's really good. And I've wow, I've not looked at it that way. <laughs> so I hope that helps. And actually, that was Michelle, a good uh, advice right there. And actually, Michelle had to had to actually run out because uh, our daughter got out of school three minutes ago, and Michelle left say seven minutes ago, and it takes her fifteen minutes to go to school. So she's she oh. frantically ran out. <laughs> she was running we late. must be going long, Joe. <laughs> I know we are. Um. Well, no, we're still in the in the in the time a lot of time we have for this. I think. Yeah, but, yeah you're fine. You're fine. We just uh, had, uh, had forgotten. So I hope I hope it wasn't our fault. No, no, no. <laughs> we apologize. Uh, that's really good. I mean, Alex, why did you think that was so good? I heard you say. Oh. Well, you just had a ton of uh, information there with the finding the right person using the Colby test and finding a person that loves to work outside of their environment as well as inside their environment. I mean, that's that's yeah. what you want. So if you're looking for an executive level type of person that I'm looking for, Jack, that just executes and gets things done, one of my problems, and I'll just be transparent here, is I'll start something and it does really well and then I'm on to something else. And I'm looking at this, this, trail, this trail of... Uh, successful projects that aren't doing anything anymore. And if I would have just stuck with some of them and kept on advertising and marketing or doing that stuff, thank you, sweetie, then, um, you know, I'd, I'd be doing a lot better right now. I'd be making a lot more money. So I'm looking for, I think, a, a, somebody who implements this kind of stuff, which is one of the strength indicators in the Colby. Right. Uh, so, if I'm looking for somebody who doesn't is not going to be a follower, is not going to wait around for me to tell them what to do next, but it's going to take my ideas, and if I give them, this is my goals, these are my goals, this is my expected result, take this campaign and copy it, um, where do they need to score well? What are some of the strengths they need to be at in their, in their business? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's that's something. Uh, if you want to talk about the Colby part, um, is uh, again Colby is Colby.com. Uh, they have an assessment called the Colby A test, costs about forty nine dollars. And if you read the entire afterwards after you're done with it, they give you like a twenty page analysis of yourself, or actually yeah. fourteen or so page analysis of yourself of what it means and so on. And it's categorized into four categories. One of them is fact finder, follow. The second one is follow through. The next one is quick start and implementer, and you can score between one and ten. And uh, a one score is not negative; it just means uh, it just means uh, different things. So, for example, a one score in fact finding means you only need you only need an overview about the facts. You don't need all the facts. Uh, if somebody comes to you with all the facts, you're bored to death. Well, uh, a probability of uh, of one to three in that area, one from four to six is. You need the essential facts, but you still don't need all the details. And a Kobe of seven to seven, eight, nine, or ten is you get as many. You need as many specifics as possible. One is not better than the other, but it it helps you understand how people act and how people. Uh, why is it that somebody, even in your own coaching program, why is it that somebody perhaps doesn't take action when you want them to take action? Uh, because they're probably a very strong fact finder, and they first need to have all the facts before they take action. And so on. So in this case, on the implementation side, for example, yeah, you need somebody probably that that's that's going to be at least I would think a five or six in implementation, 
but also somebody that's probably a decent number in follow through because follow through means like how organized is a person, how uh, how how much structure and so do they can they work with, how do they work with systems and on. So if you have somebody that implements a, that implements well and works with his hands well and so on, instead of just imagining a solution, they work actually on solutions. Uh, then uh, and at the same time. Um, they basically somebody in, in the implementer with a score of seven, eight, nine, or ten constructs tangible, tangible solutions themselves. But if they uh, with a Colby uh, four, five, and six, they keep things like the way they should. So therefore, if you have somebody with a six or seven on the implementer, and at the same time with a decent four, five, six or so on the organizational side, then you have somebody who is fairly organized. And who can do? Who can take a, bring a project to the to the close because they want to see the thing to the close. They want to see it to the end. And and that's somebody uh, that you probably uh, that somebody would probably fit your needs very well. Uh, of course, along with with the fact that they perhaps uh, that they have the computer skills and all the other things, and that they're generally interested in in the subject matter that that you do. And because those are obviously prerequisites. There's somebody that I'm talking to right now about the position, and I've worked with this person before, and she was a, a director of a in, in a healthcare company, a large healthcare company, and had a lot of employees under her reporting to her. She just got tired of the corporate BS and um, quit her job and is now actually a realtor, full-time realtor, and... Um, Oops, hold on one second. My computer's about to restart. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I'm Your downloading computers. and installing a uh, update. So <laughs> I just got this message. It's going to restart in 58 seconds. I stopped it. So, like a uh, bomb. yeah. The, uh, okay. So, but she is not technologically bent that way, right? But she's she's I'm gonna guess because I know her and I've worked with her before. She's a very, very good implementer. Um, she just gets things done and she manages people well. She can manage a team. And maybe I'm getting outside of the scope of this podcast, but I'm maybe it's helping somebody. Um so maybe I should just shut up. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, like, okay, that kind of a person, maybe they're not technologically uh, as smart as I am, but they're probably really good at finding other people who are building a team and hiring the people to design the websites or do the marketing. Does that make sense? Sure, absolutely, it makes sense. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, Alex, but uh, one of the things is when you hire an operations manager, you're not. That doesn't mean that you turn in your computer and you go uh, sail around the world and not be seen anymore for the next five years. Right. When you hire an operations manager, it just means that that person is in charge of the day-to-day -day, uh, business, and that person, and operations by itself, is a measure, is a function, uh, or is a is a job that that deals with efficiency. So that that person is in charge of getting certain things done with the least amount of of effort, basically of using your resources well to get stuff done to see things through and so on so that you can be off to the next thing. But that doesn't mean that you're outside of, uh, that you're gone. Instead, you still love your love systems. You still love spreadsheets. You still love looking at these kind of things. So you can still be 
in charge of making sure the podio and these other systems that you use are working well and then you just train her how to use it and if she's trainable on how to use that and has all the other pieces she doesn't have to come up with a new technology solution you still can come up with a new technology solution for certain for virtual wholesaling or even for your coaching business or so right. and uh, and and she just needs to be able to operate in that world understand the terminology and understand get the right people to do the right things but she does need to understand she needs to understand that part but she doesn't have to be able to fix a website she doesn't have to be able to to set up podio or tweak podio uh, she needs to be able to use those and understand how they're being used and why they're being used that way that's good that's good well i apologize if i just lost half of our audience because talking about some personal stuff <laughs> but i I, th I also I had a, also had an ulterior motive for doing that because um, if anybody out there listening is and they know kind of who I am and what I do, if you're interested in applying for this kind of a position, go to the realestateinvestingmastery.com website and just go to the contact us page and put something in there, and uh, somebody from my my team will get in touch with you and schedule something, but. Um, Cool. I'll, and, and I'll also be sending out an email real soon about that to everybody. I, I'm excited about this because I see this as um, something that can break me through this, this ceiling that I'm in. What I want to do more, I want to grow and, 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 and make even more money. Nothing so, wrong with that, asking yeah. our, our listeners to help you out. Nothing wrong with that. And by the way, that, that limit where you are right now, you use the right word. Uh, we use that, we, we call it internally the ceiling of complexity. And every, right. business will, every business will hit that. And that's actually not a term from us. It's a term from Dan Sullivan uh, from Strategic Coach. And, uh, and um, Dan Sullivan calls it a, a ceiling of complexity, which every business hits every so often. Yeah. Uh, because the systems that you have set up right now they're set up for the business in a certain growth, in a certain, in a certain size. The moment you expand over above that size, your system starts failing because they're not set up for the volume of deals you do, for the volume of uh, leads you get in, for the volume of whatever it is. And as they fall apart, it will always be your position. It will always be your role as the CEO, as the founder of the company, to come back in and then even if you have an operations manager, to work with the operations manager to build a higher level, new level, higher level of systems that you can grow again. But then once these systems are maxed out, you hit the new ceiling of complexity and then and then so on. So a lot of business owners, you ask about, isn't that something that a lot of business owners face it? I believe so. And a lot of business owners think that once they design the systems, all worries should go away. But that's not the case. It is something that is normal to every business that as you grow, you hit periodically new ceilings of complexities, which, need, which means that you have to rethink the way you do, put in different structures, putting different systems, putting different procedures that allow you to take that next level of growth. But that is only a temporary fix. Even IBM, even Apple, even those companies, they hit ceilings of complexity. They have, they have to break through and have to change things so that they can keep growing in an organic way. So it's part of being an entrepreneur to, to, to expect those. And when they come, it's not like a day where he's like, oh my God, everything falls apart. I hate this. No, it's a day where it's like, oh, it looks like we hit our next ceiling of complexity. Let's figure out how we can 
change things around to build the, to, to increase the ceiling so we can continue to grow. It's something to be expected. That's really good, good answer. That's really good. I'm writing notes. So, um, man, I wish we could talk some more, but we are, we're, we're probably going to break this up into two episodes. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I gotta, I, uh, I'd, I'd like to just keep it in one. We'll see how this goes, but Jack, you've been really, really gracious with your time and please give a hug to Michelle for us. Would you? I will. I will. She just, as I said, she just had to step out to pick up our daughter from school, but, uh, she, yes, she, I'm sure she says, gives sense a big hello to, a big well, talk to. The cool thing about having Jack on a show like this is he's got a ton of wisdom. He's been in the business for a long time and you're going to listen to and, and get to kind of pick his brain a little bit on his own podcast and hear more of the wisdom that he has just accumulated over the years with his wife. And I can tell you, I am so impressed that you have your wife with you on the podcast. That's, excuse me, that's, that's very difficult to do. I mean, anybody who can work with their spouse, I'm really impressed with. And uh, so uh, it's a whole nother dynamic because if you're sure. not careful, you could be working all the time. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And, and, and there's some risk factors of that. We, uh, even there, we have to put in some rules, which we sometimes break of like, no business talk after certain hours. And our wonderful seven-year-old daughter reminds us of that too. When we're in the car driving somewhere and we start talking business from the backseat comes, hey guys, no business talk. Yeah. And <laughs> right there, we, we remember, we have a good laugh and we, uh, and we drop the business talk. That's good. All right. So your podcast again is called Forever Cash Real Estate Investing Podcast. Jack, do you have a website that you send people to from the podcast? Uh, we do. We, we, we do also give away a, a free uh, mini course on tax delinquent real estate investing, uh, which we do on www.forevercashfreedom.com. So uh, forevercashfreedom.com. Uh, and obviously there's the Forever Cash website, which has uh, content and things like that. Uh, and, and, and under forevercash.com forward slash podcast. And so there's, there's information there. But the easiest way is to just go right here where you uh, the people that are listening to just go to to the iTunes where you're listening to this podcast and just search for Forever Cash or Forever Cash Real Estate Investing. And you'll find our podcast and so just subscribe to it. I really appreciate you mentioning it here, uh, Joe and, um, and Alex. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to welcoming uh, a few people uh, listening to this one over to my podcast too. Well, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Jack. Awesome to have you. Thank you very much. Your podcast has our seal of approval officially. Wonderful. <laughs> like that means anything, but you do. You, it's a. I've I've known Jack again, guys, for a long time, and I'm I heartily recommend his podcast. Everybody needs to go listen to it. It's really good. Uh, so thanks again, Jack. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> 